Welcome back to New Orleans Up Close and Personal. It's Lynn Buggage. To this point, we have spent our time traveling the streets along the mighty Mississippi. But there's so much more territory to cover, and it's time to move in a northeasterly direction into other areas of uptown New Orleans. My friends and family in the 14th Ward will thank me. Let's do a roll call shout out, and then we'll highlight the points to visit and learn about throughout. Ready? There's Truro, Milan, Audubon, Ferret, Broadmoor, and Fountainbleau, Pensiontown, Hollygrove, and Girttown. They all cover the 14th, 16th, and 17th wards. Yes, I said wards, as in political subdivisions. New Orleanians are as loyal to their wards as they are their high schools and football teams. Many folks will do away with telling you which neighborhood they're from and just tell you the ward. Problem is, if it's not the 7th, 9th, or 17th, others will rarely know where it is. <laughs> How's that for tribalism? By the way, the French Quarter is in the 6th Ward, but few people know that. Now, these uptown neighborhoods are all united by one of the main thoroughfares in the city, Claiborne Avenue. It runs the length of the city, about 10 miles, from neighboring Jefferson Parish to neighboring St. Bernard Parish. On the uptown side of Canal Street, it's called South Claiborne. The downtown side, it's North Claiborne. Yep, there's much more of the city to explore across Canal Street. So, one time for the history buffs. This street was named in honor of William C.C. C. Claiborne, the first U.S. governor of Louisiana. He served as governor during the territorial period and after Louisiana gained statehood, back when New Orleans was the capital city in the early 19th century. As I was saying, South Claiborne Avenue accesses many of these neighborhoods. Quite honestly, if you don't know where you're going, take Claiborne Avenue and you're bound to find your way. These neighborhoods were initially plantations and country getaways for the New Orleans gentry settling in after the Louisiana Purchase. Uptown was built along the higher ground, an old natural levee on the wide gradient bend of the river. The streets were laid out roughly following the river's curve or perpendicular to it, creating what is often called a wheel-with-spokes street pattern. The hub would gather inland right around Broadmoor, then a marsh. There are some great neighborhood eating places that may be considered off the path of tourists. More than a few are worth the mention. There's Charlie's Steakhouse at 4510 Dryad Street, the oldest steakhouse in New Orleans. They've never served the best steak in the city, but it's good for the price, and the side dishes are as noteworthy as the steaks. If you're a fan of thin-cut onion rings, Charlie's has the best around. It's probably the OG of wedge salad served with Roquefort dressing. The Hi-Hat Cafe at 4500 Ferret Street. Beyonce brought you Creole Alabama, and Hi-Hat offers Creole Mississippi. One of the few restaurants in the city that blends the taste of the Mississippi Delta, that's northwest Mississippi, with Louisiana. Hi-Hat has become a popular spot in the Renaissance neighborhood called Ferret. For the old-timers, it's located in the old Bill Long's Bakery building at the corner of Ferret and Jenna, one block uptown from Napoleon. The taste of the Mississippi River flows throughout the menu with catfish as a featured menu item. Don't miss the gumbo yaya and locally raised fresh vegetables. It's worth a stop. There's Pascal's Manali at 1838 Napoleon Avenue, representing the Italian sector. This 100-year-old restaurant maintains a solid, dependable menu that even your grandparents remember. Depending on who you are, that may be good or it may be bad. Pascal stirs up good memories for most locals. It's famous for its raw oyster bar, barbecue shrimp, 
and Italian cuisine with a real flair. It's where I first fell in love with Frutta del Mare, pasta with scallops, crab meat, oysters, and shrimp in a light marinara sauce. Bellissima! There's Boucheret at 1506 South Carrollton Avenue. What began as a barbecue food truck grew into a lovely Carrollton bistro that respects the heritage of the Cajun custom of la boucherie, a verb as well as a noun in my book. When everyone in the community gathered to share what was left during the lean season for a feast purposed to ensure that a portion of the slaughtered hog made its way to each home. The ribs are great and so are the cocktails. There's Brightson's at 723 Dante Street. Another Carrollton Creole Bistro. Everything here is fresh and local. Owner Frank Brightson is a Commander's Palace alum who studied under Paul Prudhomme. Frank and his wife Marna offer great fish dishes and serve food which respects South Louisiana's culinary traditions. The menu changes daily based on the local catch available, so prepare to enjoy the creativity of this James Beard award-winning chef. There's Lebanon's Cafe at 1500 South Carrollton Avenue. This is a great place for those who never knew they liked Lebanese food until they stopped here. Their charcoal burning grill adds a great dimension to the menu. And it's so affordable. You can make a feast of the small plates and appetizers. Be sure to try their signature famous iced tea. Riccobono's Panola Street Cafe, 7801 Panola Street. Need a good affordable spot for breakfast? This is it, right off of South Claiborne Avenue. The site has been the location of somebody's corner cafe for generations, and Vincent Riccobono has maintained the tradition. They have great omelets and pancakes at a great price. Barrow's Catfish, 8300 Earhart Boulevard. Returning to the city for the first time post-Katrina, in the summer of 2018 are the grandchildren of William Cap Barrow, who established the famous Barrow's Shady Inn in Hollygrove in 1943. The Hollygrove restaurant experienced significant damage, but the Barrow heirs promised to return to the city with the delicious fried catfish and potato salad they were known for. They are neighbors to another Hurricane Katrina Phoenix, Dunbar's Creole Cuisine, at 7834 Earhart Street. This family-owned and operated restaurant has literally weathered the storm and lived to tell the story. With daily lunch specials and a Sunday brunch, Dunbar's provides tasty fried chicken and good home cooking for the masses. Once you've dined sufficiently, visit some noteworthy uptown sites, like Girttown, originally part of the massive McCarty Plantation that was sold and divided. Once called Gurkatown, it included residential and commercial zones that housed the controversial Thompson Hayward chemical plant, the Coca-Cola bottling plant, the Blue Plate, Blue Plate Mayonnaise factory, and Xavier University of Louisiana, the nation's only historically black Catholic university. Xavier was first established as a co-educational secondary school in 1915 by now St. Catherine Drexel and the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. Drexel used the finances of her wealthy father, Francis Drexel, to found and staff many institutions across the nation dedicated to the education of Native and African Americans. Xavier University became a reality in 1925, when a College of Liberal Arts and Sciences was established. In 1927, the College of Pharmacy opened, 
and the university has flourished ever since, placing the largest number of people of color in medical schools around the nation. Former U.S. Secretary of Labor Alexis Herman and U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Regina Benjamin are listed among the notable alumni. Girttown claims comedian Garrett Morris, musical greats Alan Toussaint, Ellis Marcellus, and gospel stars the Zion Harmonizers, who hail from Zion City, an adjacent and significant area of Girttown with a solid history of African-American excellence. The current mayor of New Orleans, LaToya Cantrell, cut her political chops as a community organizer in Broadmoor. In the early days, it was a marshy swamp where City of Carrollton planner Charles Zimple went fishing. This area was connected to Bayou St. John by a popular fishing stream. On rainy days, residents were reminded that they should have done a better job draining the swamp. Several drainage canals were dug from the late 1880s through the early 20th century, when a construction boom found raised houses with above-ground basements and living quarters on the second floor. The federal levee failure after Hurricane Katrina left the neighborhood with up to eight feet of water. Urban planners recommended that it be designated as a drainage park and a grassroots neighborhood improvement organization was born. With the help of the Carnegie Corporation and other supporters, Broadmoor came back to life. Architectural fans will enjoy visiting the Rosa Keller Library and Community Center at 4300 South Broad Street. The Arts and Crafts Style Villa was one of the first homes built in the area in 1918 and served as a private residence until the city purchased it in 1990. The Rendon Inn at 4301 Eve Street is always open. It's close enough to Broadmoor to be excluded from Girttown, but either way, it's worth a mention. The locals hang out for good beer, pretty good food, and mainly to cheer on the Saints on game day. An extension of Broadway is Fountain Blue. This newer residential area is characterized by California bungalow, mission revival, and shingle-style homes built during the craftsman period. With quiet streets, large canopy trees, and grand neutral grounds, that's medians to the rest of the world, it feels like another time and place. It even has its own archway at the Carrollton Avenue entrance that was commissioned in 1912 by the Louisiana Architectural Association. Speaking of Carrollton Avenue, let's venture across its western side and discover Hollygrove. This neighborhood has become famous most recently as the childhood home of rapper Lil Wayne. Also a part of the McCarty Plantation, Hollygrove was originally swampland. Now, the gateway to Jefferson Parish, Hollygrove serves as a residential area for working-class New Orleanians. It was the original home of Barrow's Shady Inn and aspires to become another Hurricane Katrina recovery success with the help of community improvement grants from the Kellogg and Kresge Foundations. The famous Rock and Bowl meets you at Carrollton and Earhart. It's not just a bowling alley. It's also a party venue with live music and food from the neighboring Yeo College Inn. Fun controversy reigns around the age-old question of this next neighborhood. Is it Pigeon Town? Pigeon Town or Pension Town? It depends on who you ask. This working-class subdivision of Carrollton boasted a large percentage of homeowners. 
many of them retired army pensioners, largely Buffalo soldiers, of the Spanish-American War. Another variation of the Pension Town story involves its population by retired railway and sewage and water board employees. In the 1974 biography Just Mahalia Baby, Jackson recalls Pension Town. Those with a contrary mind trace the name to the influx of European immigrants and descendants of the African slaves who adopted a stripped-down port lingo or pigeon, P-I-D-G-I-N, to communicate in this culturally diverse neighborhood. The wealthy New Orleanians would call the area Pigeon Town as a kind of dig at the residents' speaking patterns. Over the years, Pigeon became Pigeon, P-I-G-E-O-N. Hmm. What we do know is that P-Town, as many young folks call it, is home to many musicians, artists, and purveyors of the culture. If you're lucky, you'll catch the Easter Parade of the Pigeon Town Steppers Social Aid and Pleasure Club. One footnote, the City Planning Commission solves the controversy altogether and labels it as Leonidas for the main street that runs through P-Town in West Carrollton. I vote with Mahalia. Well, We've burned a lot of gas today and covered a lot of territory. Uptown has a lot to offer, and you can see a lot of it if you just take Claiborne Avenue. Be sure to tell your friends. They can find us on their favorite podcast platform and visit us at New Orleans Up Close and Personal to talk pack and share your own memories. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.